I'm excited we have a new couple at church with us today. We don't always do this, but I do want to point them out and just uh, mention that they're here. So thanks for being here. Mr. and Mrs. Neil Duffy, the first time. All right, yes. Everyone visiting was like, oh no, they're not going to do that, are they? Rachel and Neil have been with us for some time, of course, but they uh, were married just over a week ago. Is that right? Or two weeks? What are we? Two weeks. So awesome, awesome. And for those who don't know, Rachel happens to be my daughter, and uh, so we're happy about that. I do want to mention this too. Um, thanks for all of you who have asked about my son. He's in Afghanistan, and yes, he arrived safely and um, helps me to appreciate those who have served our country, like Pat Michael over here and others that are in the room. I, I look around and I see you. I appreciate what you do. Um, but my son is serving with the United States Army in Afghanistan right now. He sent me a Facebook message this morning. Okay? He said, will you do me a favor, Dad? Can you tell the church that if they want to reach out to me, the best way to do that is Facebook? He said, it really helps the time to go by quicker if people do that. Now, that's a big deal, okay? That's a big deal. So reach out to him if you would. Encourage him. Let him know you're praying for him. Um, I appreciate his address from the back of the worship notes here. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's great to have children who go out and serve the Lord wherever they are, whether that's here in Martinsburg or on the other side of the world, literally in Afghanistan. So um, good stuff. Well, over and over and over, you hear these studies that are referenced. There are things like this. The average person is able to have a relationship with up to six people. And if somebody else will come out and say, you know, most people are only able to have a relationship with as many as four people. Another will say 12, and others will say 10. There's, there's, this, there's this search for how many people can you know? How many people can you have relationship with? And I think what's motivating a lot of these studies that are coming out and these surveys and these these articles and so forth that you'll see on the internet, I think what's motivating it, quite honestly, is social media. Social media. Because many of us were proud of the fact that, you know, 327 people liked my picture. So I'm important, right? And I have this many followers, and I have this many people that have retweeted my tweet, or whatever it is that you do, okay? This stuff's getting beyond me now. I don't... I don't find, I'm still like back at Facebook and MySpace, you know, and there's Snapchat and Kick and, and all this other stuff. I don't even know what it even is, but it's huge right now. It's huge. And so there's, there's kind of, there's becoming a response to that that I like. I like. And that is, you need to have a relationship with a small number of people. It's all you can really handle. It's all you can, we aren't capable of relationships with hundreds of people. We're not relationally able to do that. It's beyond our capacity as humans to have 326 friends. I don't care if that's what they're called on Facebook. It should be called like watchers or observers or, you know, peaker inners or something. Because that's all it is. Now listen, and, and those who work in the mental health sort of industry, know what I'm getting ready to say. There's been more than one occasion that I have sat with people who were either very depressed or even suicidal. And one of the things that they have said to me that is a trigger for them is social media. When they see other people on social media that are doing this and doing that and seem to have all these friends and they look at their own life and there's just nothing there and it, and it just, you know, in their perspective and it drives them to depression. 
It, it can be damaging. It really can. But the reason why I want to bring that up is God is not that way. We are very limited in the number of relationships that we can have. Oh, but God wants you to truly know Him. God wants you to truly know Him. And Jesus said in John chapter 15, I could call you servants. In other words, you could just be part of the masses and you're out there just to meet my needs. You are the servants, you're the slaves, you're just the hired help. I could call you that. But Jesus said, but I have called you my friend. God wants to know you, but more than that, he wants you to know him. Not just to watch him, okay? Not just to peek in and see what happens in the Bible once in a while, but to have relationship. If you don't believe me on this, I want you to turn your Bible just real quick. It's not where we're going to spend our whole morning, but go to John chapter 14. Go with me in John chapter 14. Let me show you this in the Word of God. John chapter 14, Jesus is speaking to his disciples the night before he goes to the cross. He's kind of giving them his last words to them. John chapter 14. You'll notice most of John 15, 14, 14, 15, 16, 17, most of them are in red because this is almost primarily the words of Jesus. John chapter 14, look at verse 16 through 18, and I'm going to jump down to verse number 26. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you, how long? Forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Don't be surprised when the world rejects Christ and His teachings. Don't be surprised when the world invites you to reject Christ and His teachings. The world can't receive this. Jesus says it right there. The world cannot receive the Spirit of God. Because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus says in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. Hear the tender words of Jesus. I will be a father to you. I will bring you to myself as my adopted children. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Verse 26. But he says, after a lot more discussion about what this Spirit of God is going to do, verse 26, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. He says here to his disciples, But we can also understand that the Spirit of God comes and ministers to us. God wants you to know Him. And that is amazing. That is amazing. And yes, it is open to all of creation. God is willing for you to know Him. Willing. 
Now, how does the Spirit of God reveal Himself to us? How does He allow us to know Him? I thought about this week, and primarily it would be the Spirit of God. You've got the Word of God. You've got the church. You've got preachers and teachers of the Word of God. All these things. What we're doing right now is intended to help you to know God. But as we now transition into our, back to our series on the Ten Commandments, I want, to, I want to tell you about two ways, maybe, potentially, the most significant ways that God impresses upon hearts what He is like. Potentially, these two things are the most significant means that God uses to allow us to see what God is like. First of all, it is the commandments. The commandments. They do reveal to us the character of God. They do. And we've talked about those of late. We're to worship only God. Worship the true God. Worship Him truly. Okay? We're, not to, we're to proclaim His name faithfully. So not use His name in vain. And we're to rest in Him completely. That's the first four commandments. And all of those reveal things about God. But the second, one of the most significant, two of the most significant ways, the Word of God, that, that God impresses upon us what He is like, honestly, is through parents. And that's what we're going to deal with today. Folks, we all have, we, we have to recognize that God uses sinful parents now to demonstrate to children what God is like. So we're going to talk about that today because that's where the fifth commandment goes. Let me, let me tell you about an illustration of this I saw one time. It was, it was just it was remarkable. I was in a seminary classroom. There were probably about 75 people in the room. Okay? And the professor's up front, and he's talking about ministries of the church, and he said this. He said, how many of you were saved during less than 18 years of age. You were saved at less than 18 years of age. And across the room, if there were 75 people in the room, I bet you 70 of them raised their hand. Okay, It was just overwhelming the number of people who had put their trust in Christ prior to the age 18. Now, some of you, if you, you maybe have seen that illustration before, and usually people stop right there, okay, and they say, see, you need to work in the children's ministries. You need to work in the teen ministry. Here's a form. You can sign up and be part of youth staff. We're going to do that, right, Pastor Billy? That's probably a good thing. But when you stop and ask the second question, it's equally remarkable. Let me tell you the second question the professor wisely asked. Now, he actually had us all stand up, those who were saved prior to the age of 18. Okay? 70 people across the room. Five lone individuals now seated, okay? They came to Christ later as adults, I guess. He said, now, I want you to sit down. I want you to sit down if your parents had a direct role in you coming to know Jesus. Sit down. You should have seen it. The whole room practically sat down. And now there were just a handful of people standing. Two, three, four individuals. You see, God uses parents to impress on their children what God is like. Now listen, let me just, let me just comfort the many 
of us in the room. The many of us who are desiring to see our children run after God in a greater way. I want want to just give you a huge comfort right now. You are only required, you're only, I'm sorry, you're only expected, that is, to plant seed. You're called to plant seed. Be faithful in planting seed. That little heart, that, you know, that little baby that you held in, in your arms at like, you know, one day old, and oh, she's so cute. No, she's a sinner. She's a sinner. And she proves it at age two. Does she not? She does. Our children, I've got four of them. Every one of them are sinners. Okay? Proven over and over and over. So is their dad. Every one of our children are responsible for how they will respond to the Lord. You cannot force your children to chase after Jesus. You, you, cannot, you cannot legalize them into it. You, cannot, you can't win them of your own to Jesus. You can't do it. So don't bring guilt upon yourself for that. But we need to see, we do need to see how God impresses upon hearts using parents and many other authorities in their lives. Okay? Now we're going to be in Exodus. Go, go there with me to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to the fifth commandment today. And um, the parents in the room are probably like, yeah, finally we're talking about this one. Okay? Exodus 20, verse number 12. All right? Let's look at it here and learn from it. Now, while you're turning there, you need to know this is reiterated over and over and over in the Bible. Okay? Exodus 20 is verse number 12, so we're going to be, okay, one verse today. And it's, it's, almost, it's almost quoted verbatim in Ephesians chapter 6. It's restated in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And it's, it's throughout Scripture. It's Exodus chapter 20, the fifth commandment, verse number 12. And here's what it says. Honor your father... And your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. That's the fifth commandment. I mean, it's an important one. It's a very important one. And we need to understand really what it means. And we need to understand how the same principle that applies to parents broadens into other authorities in our life. So this is not just for children. Okay, what we have to say here is not just for kids. It broadens out from your little home, okay, to other authorities in your life. So if you're sitting here right now, and you don't have any children, maybe your kids are all grown and raised. Maybe they never, God never blessed you with any children, okay? Listen, there are, there are things that you need to see about authorities in our life and what God intends for us to do with them, okay? It's very important for us to see that. I do want to say, though, that you know, this, again, is about honoring God's authorities, not just, not just parents, but, but that's where we're going to start today, and then we're going to broaden it. And I want you to know that this commandment, honoring your father and mother, it was given prior to Exodus 20. You see, there was already a call to honor father and mother. That was already there. You say, well, how do you know that, Lowell? Well, Abraham. Abraham was to teach his children they were to obey him. Job had a great ministry with his kids and and they were to respond to him positively, okay? So this commandment is, is much broader than, say, the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath last week? The Sabbath prior to Exodus 20 was unheard of. There was no Sabbath law before Exodus chapter 20. 
That was the sign of the covenant. It was for the Mosaic covenant, for this, for this people in this time. But this honoring father of mother, it, it goes, it's, it's broader than that. It predated Exodus 20, and it's still going on today. It's still going on today. Okay? Well, let's talk about this in detail. First of all, you will be very interested to know what the word honor means. The word honor. Now, usually we think of it as like obedience. Okay? And when, you're, when your child is five, it, that's pretty much what it means. It means obedience. But what about when your child is 45? Getting ready to turn 46 in a month. How do I honor my father and mother? How do you honor your father and mother who was abusive or abandoned you? How do you honor them? Because there's no stipulation given here. It doesn't say honor fathers and mothers that are good. It doesn't say honor fathers and mothers who are Christians. It doesn't say honors and fa- honor fathers and mothers that you like. It says honor your father and your mother. So we need to know what this word means, and we need to know how you apply it to the different stages of our life. Because although we may not all have children, we all have parents, and we need to honor them. We need to honor them. Okay? All right, this word honor means, you know what it actually means? It means to weigh heavily upon. It means a weight. It means to be heavy. So when this says to honor your father and mother, you know what it means? It means to put weight upon them. To give them weight. To, to grant to them a weight that is more significant than what they would have on their own. You see, you give your parents a weight that you wouldn't give just to anybody else in the world. They are your parents, regardless of your age. And so their role in your life is different. And you give to them a weight that is from God. Here's my definition, okay? I think i got a blank there for you. Here's how I defined it. Um, let's see. Grant one the respect that the Lord intended. That's what it means to honor to grant. So I'm giving this thing. I am giving this to them. Listen, parents are sinners. Some of you, when I mention father, horrible memories come to your mind. And I, and I want to help you with that as much as I can. Really, it's God that's got to deal with that. But we need to grant to them. So give to them the, the, the respect and the weight that God has intended that they would have. Because this authority is given by God. This is the Lord's intent. You were not born into the family you're in by accident. You were not a mistake. You were not something, you're not a bad decision on some night in your parents' life. God in His For knowledge, God in His plan placed you where you lived and where you live and with who you're with. He loves you. And you might say, but Lo, you don't know what I had to endure. And you know what? You're right. I tell you, God God really blessed me in a lot of ways 
with my parents. I'm very thankful for that. And sometimes I talk to other people and I think, wow, how did they, how did they survive that? But then I'm reminded of this truth. When you tell me how wicked some of your parents were, I'm reminded of this truth. I think, wow, you must be strong. You must be one strong individual. Because God placed you in that situation because he knew that, that with his help you could handle that. And God placed you there and he's produced, he wants to produce in you great maturity, great endurance because of the challenge you're in. Don't run from it. Run to God. Let Him mature you in the midst of this difficulty, in the midst of this struggle. Folks, that's what endure means. So how can I endure what I went through? Endure. Listen to what endure means. The Greek word endure means to remain under. Oh, wow. Picture a weightlifter. Big old strong guy. Okay? He's under a barbell now. He's holding it up. Calvin's there, holding up that weight. He remains under it. He endures under it. This is what God calls us to, even regarding the challenge that we have or had with our parents. Can I show you a pretty cool example of this? I just like this story. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 23. We should go down the hallway and teach this to the kids. Um, because they love this story. 2 Samuel chapter 23. Let me show you what this word means. Okay, because the best way to understand the word of God is with the word of God. And so here's what I did. You can do what I did. I looked at what the Hebrew word was for honor using a strong concordance. You probably could find one maybe in a library somewhere at your own house. And I found the number for the Hebrew word, and I looked at any place else where that's in my Bible, and I started turning those references, and I found a really cool one. 2 Samuel chapter 23. Okay? Let's read at verse number 20. Verse number 20. Now listen to this story. We should go get the boys out of the elementary classroom. Don't you think, Brock? That'd be a good thing to do. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was a valiant man of Kabzael, a doer of great deeds. He struck down two arrows of Moab. Now here it's going to get real good. He also went down and struck down a lion in a pit on a day when snow had fallen. Went down to a pit, snowy morning, killed a lion. Pretty cool. Somebody wouldn't like that story maybe, but I like it. Verse 21. And he struck down an Egyptian, a handsome man. I mean, that's really funny. Okay? He looked good, ladies. A handsome man. The Egyptian now had a spear in his hand. But Benaiah went down to him with a, with a club, with a staff. And he snatched the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. <laughs> All the men are like, yeah. These things did Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and won a name beside the three mighty men. He was renowned among the thirty. That word renowned? Honor. Honor. 
You see, because of who he was and what he did, there was a, there was a respect given to him. He was honored among all the men. This is how we are to view those in authority over us. Honor. What's the opposite? What's the opposite of honor? Well, I guess you could say it's disrespect, dishonoring. Watch practically any sitcom or any channel on, you know, the Disney family whatever network, and you'll see it. You'll see it. I was a kid that grew up watching so much TV, okay, just what we did. We didn't have internet, folks, okay, you guys around. There wasn't such thing as the internet then, at least not in my house. And so we watched a lot of television, you know, Leave it to Beaver, My Three Sons, you know, all those kind of, Andy Griffith, and he like, you know, there was, there was an honor there, and I'm not, look, I'm not saying those were the good old days, I'm not saying that, but watch television now. And watch what idiots the parents are. They're hopeless and helpless unless they're, you know, teenagers come in and save the day. And help, you know, stupid dad figure out how to, you know, get out of the closet or whatever and walk around the house. He's he's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. And the teenagers come and and save him. You wonder what the opposite is? The opposite is to treat lightly. Now, let me say this. The only hope we have of fulfilling any of what God's commands are for us is in Christ. Christ. So let's not wag our finger at the sitcoms because that's the world. What about us? What about us? Okay. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. I will say in Exodus chapter 20, you can go back there now. Exodus 20, it is very significant. We need to see this now. A few things that are obvious in this one verse. But both parents are mentioned. Honor your father and your mother. So it's not, you know, honor the one that's strict. It's not honor the one that has a loud voice or, you know, spanks me or, you know, will take away my phone or anything like that. It's honor your father and your mother. Careful with this, parents. Careful with this. Now, stereotypically, we would say, I'd be more right stereotypically to say, moms, be careful with this. In my house, the only, the only thing, what my mom would say is, you wait till your dad gets home, Right? And when dad got home, it was bad. You know what that meant, though? I didn't really care to honor my mom because I knew she really didn't have the authority in my house. Be careful with that. Your children are called to honor you, father, and honor you, mother, both equally. Equally. Careful with that. I I already said this once, but there's no stipulations, there's no expectations. Parents of older children... If you have older children, if you are an older child, that is, you're called to honor. If you had bad parents, you're called to honor. If you have permissive parents, you're called to honor. If you have regretful parents, so your parents are even regretful for what happened, you are called to honor. Children in the home are called to obey. Children who are grown and have left the home... You're called to give them respect, to give them weight. You need to give your parents weight in your life. If you have regretful parents, I just want to say this because I'm, I'm hurting for those people. If you have regretful parents or sinning parents or parents who disappointed you, who, who were absent, were abusive, what's it mean for you? It means forgiving. It means forgiving. 
Love does not keep a record of wrongs. It means you offering them. Now you need to be wise. I understand that. But you need to offer them opportunities. Wisely offer opportunities. Now, if there was abuse or something like that, that doesn't mean that you say, oh, here, take the kids and you can do whatever. No, no, I understand that. But you need to forgive. And give, give the, you need to let the Lord lead you on this, but it's not right. I'll tell you what is not right. It is not right for you today to have this bitter, angry feeling towards your parents and hold on to that tight. That's a pill you'll swallow and it'll kill you, not them. Not them. Okay? All right. Let's, let's broaden this a little bit, okay? Because I can see some of you are like, okay, Lo, I get it. All right, now you're going to get... Some of you aren't going to like what I'm going to say next, okay? Because most everything that's said about honoring parents is said about a whole lot of other people, okay? Sorry, but here it comes, all right? Starting out with government leaders. What? You, wait, wait a minute. Are you talking about policemen? Are you talking about, you know, the mayor? Are you talking about the governor? Are you talking about the president? Yes. Listen. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17 says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. There it is. Honor the emperor. Who's the emperor at this time? It's Caesar who's burning Christians alive when Peter says this. But we are to see them and grant them the weight that God intended. Okay? Grant them. They don't earn it. We grant them the honor that God, the respect that God intended. Quite honestly, we are to do this with one another. Romans 12.10. Honor one another, okay, it says. Actually, it says, outdo one another in showing honor. You're supposed to outdo each other in honoring each other. Wow. Parents, we already saw that in Ephesians 6. Husbands, Ephesians 5.33, listen to it. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. It's that same same concept here. Same family of, of meaning, of words. Wives are called here to honor their husband. Grant to them, remember our definition, grant to them the weight that God intended. You say, well, he doesn't deserve it. I didn't say grant to them the weight that they've earned. Grant to them the weight that God intended. Boy, that's a real popular message today, isn't it? That's what God calls you to. Remember, we're all supposed to honor one another, okay? So husbands are to honor their wives as as well. But there is a a special emphasis here in Ephesians 5 on what the wives are supposed to do with the husbands. 1 Peter 5.5 speaks of godly men. Listen to it. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. It's the same family of meaning. Honoring older men who have walked with Christ. You honor the gray hair, it says in the Old Testament. <laughs> Likewise, godly women. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 3 says that you are to honor a widow indeed. And when you read in 1 Timothy 5 what a, what a widow indeed is, it's a godly woman. A godly woman. So what this means, folks, 
is that the young people in this room, and, and I, well, I'm on the edge, okay? I'm on the edge. I'm transitioning before your eyes. So, but the younger people in the room, we are to grant to the older people the, the weight that God intended. So when a godly older man or a godly older woman speaks to me, I make a, I make a willful decision. I'm going to listen to what you're saying. See, I don't have a godly grandfatherly influence in my life other than you. So you walk up to me with gray hair, or I guess maybe no hair, that it would be gray otherwise, and you speak into my life. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm listening for the word from the Lord that I need to hear. I'm giving to you a weight that God intends. We're called to do that with authorities in our life. Likewise, Hebrews 13, 17. Listen to this one. Obey your leaders. And in the context, talking about within the, in the context of the church, and, and submit to them for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So even our, our spiritual leaders here in our church, grant to them a weight that God intended. I've, I've, heard, I've heard wives say this. I've heard them say, you know, honestly, I, I find the granting of honor easy. Because I don't have to worry about whether or not the decision that he's making is right or wrong. I'm just going to follow his leadership. And if it goes poorly, he's responsible. And I'll follow him. And then before the Lord, I know I'm okay. I think that's great counsel. I think that's great counsel. God is looking for us to be faithful. So look at the authorities in your life. They are placed there by God. Romans 13.1. You can look it up. Okay, They're there by the Lord. The authorities in your life. Be it in your church. Be it in your home. Be it in your, your, just your, your faith community. Be it in the government. They are there by God. Give them the weight that God intended and trust Him for the results. See, it's... It's all about walking by faith. Do you see it? Do you see it? We say to our children, you just do what daddy tells you to do and don't worry about anything else. Sometimes I wish that little kid could look at it and say, you just do what the president says and don't worry about it. You know, what if that happened, right? You say, well, what if I don't agree with them? Well, you know, we had a line in the army, okay? The officers in the room may not like this, okay? But you know it. And it was, you don't have to respect the man. Respect the uniform. And here's what it meant. I keep pointing to Pat because Pat is an officer, okay? Pat, when he speaks, his men and women, the, the, the people under him are supposed to respond. There might be some who don't particularly like him. But they're not called to respect the man. They're called to respect the uniform. Grant to this one a weight that God intended. That's what the commandment, the fifth commandment is saying. Okay? Wherever it is that you're living it out. 
Now, go back to Exodus 20. Did you turn? Because I did. Back to Exodus 20. I just want to just, just finish out this one little verse. It's amazing what you can say about one verse. Exodus 20. Honor your father and mother. There's a stated truth here. That your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. There's a stated truth. It's a blessing of obedience. Blessing of obedience is a stated truth. Now, the immediate interpretation, the immediate understanding of this passage is this. You guys are going to the kingdom. Children of Israel, you're going into the kingdom. You're going, you're going to the promised land, I mean to say. You're going to the promised land. Okay? You want to stay there. You, you want to live there. You want to be there. Honor your father and mother. You want to remain in the promised land. Honor your father and mother. You will stay there. You will live long in the land. Did they do that? Did they do that? Check your head. Yes or no? They did not. They did not. And what happened to them? They were taken out of the promised land to Babylon, to Assyria. So it played out very, very clearly in the, in the Old Testament record. Okay? But the amazing thing is, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul grabs this and restates it. And says, children, honor your, mother and fa- honor your father and mother. And it's the first commandment with the promise. That you will live long and it will go well with you. You see, there is a blessing of obedience there's a blessing of obedience for, for, for us when we honor those who are in authority over us. You say, now let's think about parents, why, what this blessing comes from. You know, I hope, I hope those that are children are listening to this, but it's broader than them. There's the protection of love. Isn't there? When parents speak to their child and say, don't do this or do do this, there's love there. I want the best for you. There's a protection of wisdom. I've had life and I know what it looks like. I know how this is going to play out, the, pr- the protection of faith. So there's a, there's a stated truth here, the blessing of obedience. But here now, and this one, this one is going to sting a little. Okay. There's an implied truth here too. There's a stated truth, the blessing of obedience. But there's an implied truth here that's not given in verse number 12 but it is overwhelming throughout the Bible. And that is the instruction given by parents. It's implied here that parents will instruct, that parents will teach, that parents will lead, that dads won't be apathetic, that moms won't be too busy, that parents will invest in their children that parents will be adults. Okay? Parents will be adults and say, no, you're not going to wear that. Okay? And no, you're not going to go there. And no, we aren't going to be part of that. Parents will be adults in the room. Parents, you know, I understand. I know what it is to have my child look at me in a way, none of my kids, I just can imagine how it works for you, um, but look at you in a way that they can't stand you. And they just, you know, they don't say it maybe, but they just, this just look of just absolute hate and you feel it. Listen, teens in the room, you need to know, you do hurt your parents when you look at them that way. You do. It hurts deeply. And I tell you, there's times when we walk in the other room and my wife and I shut the door and we look at one another and one of us is in tears and we say, are we doing the right thing? Are we making the right stand? 
is this the right hill to die on? And the other one says, I think it is. Or, I think you went too far on that one. I think you went too far. Now, all that being said, be the adult. You, parent, do not need them to like you. You do not need to be their friend. They've got lots of friends. They've got two or maybe one parent. That's it. You do not need them to like you. They need to honor you. See that? It's implied here. It's implied. And now if you, if you fill your head with just what's on the television, if you fill your head with what you see on the internet, you will become convinced of a lie that the ultimate goal is for you and your 17-year-old daughter to just really be the best of friends and go shopping together and you'll just, you know, skip around, you know, buying a bathing suit and it'll be so much fun. Uh-uh. It ain't going to happen. Not at 17. Maybe 35. I don't know. I'll let you know. I'm just kidding. That doesn't happen, okay? But the point is, you don't need them to like you. Because they do love you. Because, see, I've had, in, in, in just the, the plan of God in my life, I've hung around teenagers for a lot of years. And I've sat there with that scowl-faced 16-year-old punk that honestly I wanted to just punch in the mouth. Right? You know him. Yeah. I've sat there in my office and seen that punk cry because he does love his daddy. He does. He doesn't know how to show it yet. He's trying to become a man, and you know, so he can't. He can't cry in front of you and, oh, mommy, I'm sorry, I love you. He can't do that yet. So he puts on this front, but he loves you, his parent. He does. She does. She does. God's doing this work, see, God's doing this amazing work. Isn't it great that God has a big plan in mind and not just these 5, 10, 15 years? It might feel like 25, 30, okay? But wherever you're at, God has a big plan. He loves them more than you. It's a mockery to even compare His love to yours. That mocks God. Your love is nothing compared to His. Your power is nothing compared to His. He's working in your son's life. He's working in your daughter's life. They might be all turned over right now. Don't give up hope. God didn't. God hasn't. He's still working. And you might say, but Lo, I messed up. I messed up. I should have done this. I should have done that. I should have taken him here. I shouldn't have taken him there. Listen, maybe, maybe. If you're convinced that you did something wrong, confess it as sin. If you, if you did something wrong, you might even say to them, listen, what I did was wrong. There was probably, more, probably the greatest, most powerful thing you could say to your child is say, and I'm sorry, will you forgive me? I didn't know what I was doing. You were my first or my ninth, and I didn't know what I was doing. Right? I didn't know, and I'm doing the best I could. 
And listen, I'm telling you what that child's going to say. You know, maybe not at that moment, but what they're going to say in time. They're going to wrap their arms around you. And they're going to say, I know, Dad. I've messed up, too. I messed up, too. It's the beauty of God's plan. It's the wonder of His plan. That He chooses to use sinners who drop the ball, who lose their temper, who just watch TV sometimes and don't do what God's calling them to do. He, he still uses us. Now, that's not an excuse. You've can, you got to get up off the couch. You've got to do the right thing. Some of us just need to repent, brush off, and I'm going to go. I'm going to go. So there's an implied promise. There's an implied truth there. The instruction of parents. All right, let's, let's change our direction for just a couple minutes. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. You want to turn there. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 5 and following. I'm going to jump in there in the indented part of my Bible. And this is God speaking to His children. My son, and the word here, by the way, it is male, but in the culture, it could mean male or female. Okay, It's a word that just speaks about children. So it's you, ladies. My child. Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. There's a word. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who have disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of the spirits and live. Let's just, as we've talked about the fifth commandment, okay? Children, honor your father and mother. Let's look to our Father, our Heavenly Father, the perfect Father who wants to know all of us, who wants us to know Him. And I want you to just see the sonship. He grants us sonship. We are His sons and daughters. Adopted as His. We've received His name. We've received His name. If you're in Christ today. If you put your trust in Jesus, the name of God is placed upon you permanently. 
And you say, well, what if it goes away? No, the Spirit of God is given to you forever as a guarantee of your inheritance. These are all family words. These are adoptive words. The Spirit of God that we started with, who's the helper to help us know God, is there as a guarantee of our family inheritance adopted by Him. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. And see the love and attention that God brings to you. He doesn't let you be a spoiled kid over there, you know, just eating the chocolate and the peanut butter and just getting sick all over the place. That's not what God does to you. He loves you more than that. And so when we err, when we start to drift away, He's there. And He says, no son, no daughter, this is right. This is right. And when we go over this side, no, my son, no, my daughter, this is right. Now at times, we get belligerent. At times, we get just, just flat out disobedient. We know what God intends. It is very clear. Don't tell me you're asking what God's will is. We know what God's will is. Quit lying to yourself. But sometimes we drift clear over here. Okay? Clear over here into just disobedience to God. And then sometimes God comes along, like my dad did to me, and like I did to my sons, and like I did to my daughters. I turn over my knee and I say, I love you. And I spank your little butt. God says, what kind of father, what kind of father doesn't treat his children that way? God loves us that way. It may be that you're experiencing some of that discipline. It may be right around the corner. Hebrews 12 is given as an encouragement. Oh, isn't that awesome? But it is also a warning. It is a warning. God loves us too much to not give us His love and to not give us His attention. And at times, requires discipline. Because He's conforming us to His image. See the Father's fatherhood of believers. Well, this is the commandment. The fifth one, okay? It's about honoring authorities. It's about granting to those who are in authority, whatever that authority may be, granting to them the weight that God intended for them to have. Will you do that today? Will you respond by faith and trust God enough to respond to His Word? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You for the truth of Your Word. And Lord, it's very practical and it's living and active. So Lord, it cuts. It cuts. Lord, let Your Word cut us. Not our own accusation or the accusation of our enemy. Let Your Word cut and that's it. Make dull the knife of Satan who does come and attacks and accuses. Make it dull, Lord. Don't let us take too much grief over things that we can't control. Instead, motivate us to action, to respond by faith, believing it is not too late, 
believing that you still work, believing that you still can work through me. This is who you are. This is who we are. This is what you have done. Thank you for your spirit, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.